0: detroit strange welcome back to detroit strange
1: this
2: podcast
0: that you're listening to
2: with your ears yeah i'm so happy that you are
0: yeah me too
2: on this beautiful june
0: father's day
2: well, today when we're recording is Father's Day. Today
0: is Father's Day, yeah. This
2: does not come out on Father's Day. No. I need to call it. that would be
0: incredibly father. fast turnaround.
2: Yes, it would be. Yeah. Uh, I cannot do that. No. no.
3: Nor would I ever expect you to.
2: <laughs> yes, but t- today, I don't know what today is uh, of the actual release.
0: Time is irrelevant. It's a construct. It's a, a June construct. day. I'm sure it is. It's-
2: beautiful wherever everybody is
0: lovely june day yes doing all the june things
2: yeah uh june's been a weird one we had that like heat wave uh i discovered i have air conditioning after living in my place for two summers this is the third summer did not know we had air conditioning but we do uh so that's where i've been
0: what a lovely discovery though
2: it is. I mean, I'm not complaining about it. I do think it's hilarious. And I think that could only happen with roommate Lisa and I. Yeah. So it has been a treat to sleep through the night during those 96 degree days, because that's not what was happening before. And it's I'm glad to make the discovery. Wish should had come a little sooner.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> fair.
2: Yeah. But I'll take it. I'm, yeah. Yes.
4: I mean, hey, if your landlord didn't tell you it was there.
2: I don't even know. I mean, our apartment is very interesting.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, technically, we have a dishwasher, but we can't use it because the one time we tried to, it started to melt. And uh, that's not good. And then Not ideal, for sure. We were going to get somebody in to look at it, but the pandemic happened and then we just got used to washing our dishes. Yeah. Probably should still have it looked at. But, you know, who's got time?
0: I hear you. My oven is maybe broken, maybe just needs to be fixed, mm-hmm. but it's also June. I don't need to be using my oven, so it's just gonna yeah. sit there for a while until I have the energy to deal with it. Yeah, but today is not that day. No, tomorrow probably not that day either. No. Next week still probably not that day, but and eventually, that's okay. yeah.
2: <laughs> that's okay. You've got you've got some stuff going on this summer. Yeah. I know you've got a trip at some point. Yeah. We're going to go camping at least once, if not multiple times. So. Yes. I was already thinking about that. We need to set some. We do. Dates aside for it. But We
0: can do as the kids are saying and go touch grass.
2: Oh, is that.
0: Yeah. Someone in one of the meetings I was in this week uh was like, as the kid, like talk about like, oh, so-and-so, you need to go outside, and someone else trying to, oh, or the kids are saying you need to go touch grass. And so now I'm wondering if, like, it's just a parent who doesn't understand that it's a weed reference. Like, oh, yeah, go touch grass. I just was like, thinking outside. that. Or if like, kids are just, like, literally, like, I gotta go outside and touch grass, because I can also see that, too.
2: Well, and also, I mean, here's one thing. The, the, the words that people use for weed change so frequently. Yeah. There's so many different, you know, yeah. things, like grass is definitely one of them, yeah. but is that what is currently being used or not because that could like definitely if it is then that's definitely for weed and not for going outside yeah but also what about the people who don't have grass where they live because grass is not native to most
0: most of the u.s
2: of the u.s yeah yeah and it's actually a really terrible plant yeah Uh, it's not great it takes a lot of water
0: I've started replacing my grass with clover. Whenever like patches of it die, I just put mm-hmm. clover down. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a you huge. You don't mow clover?
2: No, I'm not a huge fan of like actual lawn grass. Right. I,
0: I could never be one of those people who like has the perfectly manicured lawn. And,
2: no. Who's got the time? That's my I'm new not
0: phrase the, apparently. Yeah. Nobody's got the time. I'm not hiring a lawn service. I already pissed off the bug service guy because I didn't want to look at his bug service. He was real salty. He's like, I got most of the neighborhood signed up. And I'm like, "Nope, I don't know.
2: I'm good. Go
0: dump your chemicals somewhere else. I'm not that mad at the bugs.
2: Yeah. I (laughs) I don't like
0: them, but I don't need chemicals all over my house and yard.
2: No, nobody needs extra.
0: Right. And honestly, you told me the rest of the neighborhood's getting it. So I'll probably be fine. (laughs) You know,
2: Mm -hmm. that's uh... pissed. (laughs) I mean, what's the worst you can do come spray your lawn anyway right (laughs) but yeah i i don't understand the appeal of this thing that you have to maintain in the way that you have to maintain grass and like you know out in like the southwest and stuff like that like a lot of people have like stones my cousins have turf Mm -hmm. oh some places have shells too i've seen that the shells i don't love quite as much because shells are very pointy yeah and like the stones can be pointy as well yeah Turf might be nice because it's, uh, you know, pretty. You wash it and then.
3: Yeah. I guess. I don't don't
2: know how that works, but yeah. But I mean, I just think there's so many alternatives. And then like also just, you know, a nice wild backyard is. Mine's starting to get there. Mm -hmm. Mine's looking a little wild, but I like it. Yeah. So I have been watching a new um, guilty pleasure type show. Okay. This one's in the paranormal. Okay, fun because i do love my paranormal shows absolutely i don't talk about them as much with people because i know very few people who also watch paranormal shows
0: i hear you it's like being a gay man who likes bond
2: yeah but i do love my discovery plus you know app on my roku a lot because it provides me with all of them yeah between that and hulu i'm set oh yeah and so i went over there and there's a few i've dabbled around in here and there but like you know I watched a little bit and like didn't completely follow through on. Then I found one it's only 3 seasons in. It is called Portals to Hell. Uh.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And it is this one this one woman who I recognize from like another series and I think she's done like she's a decently known in that paranormal yeah. television space which yeah. is like an interesting space. But the other co-host, and I don't know why, but it took me five episodes to actually understand that this is who it was. Uh, like, I was just watching this human with this British accent. And then I was actually watching the credits uh, and I realized it's Jack Osborne. Interesting. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's actually Jack Osborne. Like. Yeah. Of the Osborns and of like Ozzy's kid. Like, I had no idea because like. I don't know. I don't really pay that much attention to things. And so it's just like one of those people. Like, I remember when the Osborne show was on. Same. I I, never
0: really watched it, but I remember it being on. I did. But I think I was like in. You were in the age group. I was. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it was interesting to watch. I could not tell you anything from it. I kind of like in retrospect feel bad. You know, like having your teenage years, like cataloged in that way. Yeah.
0: Oh, I would hate it. Yeah. Like, I'm happy that like social media wasn't around. Like. same
2: i just i didn't recognize because it wasn't on my radar yeah you weren't
0: thinking i'm gonna see jack osborne right now well
2: apparently he's like big into like paranormal television spaces he has Uh, multiple shows including one coming up i'm so excited it starts in like a week and oh i forget the name of it it's it's something it's like a bigfoot hunting show uh, but it's he is hunting bigfoot with jason muse who is of jay and silent bob He is absolutely Jay. Yeah. So he is hunting Bigfoot with Jay. I've never been so surprised by a pairing of two people to go do a specific thing like hunting Bigfoot. Right. And it's not like
0: they're like, whoa, so crazy opposite. They're just like two random ass people.
2: Yeah. Well, I kind of love it. I am obsessed with it. It starts up. I believe it's next weekend it Uh airs or so this upcoming weekend when our our show airs and I have never been so excited for a show that wasn't like um, a show I've been watching for multiple seasons you know what I mean I've never been so excited for a new show as I am for this one I was so sad because the way that the app showed it to me I thought it was already airing and then it was like no here's just a preview and I watched the preview several times because I was cracking up yeah I cannot wait for for it because Truth be told, I've been watching Expedition Bigfoot, which is another one of those shows. And I got really excited, too, because I saw like in the preview, like there's a um, primate expert who's on Expedition Bigfoot. She's like the scientist of the group who's always like, but is that scientific? Yeah. And so she's on this new one, too, at some point. And I was like, oh, she's on there, too, because I'm my celebrities are a weird, (laughs) a random group of celebrities. Believe me, I know. (laughs) And again I'm the I, same
0: way, not like a judge I feel like that I feel like there was a, some stank that I did not intend on those words.
2: Oh no, 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 no. But like I said, I just I don't know people who watch a lot of the same those type of shows, at least as myself. Yeah. So it's funny when I geek out on them a little bit yeah. to me, because I'm like, oh, who, anybody? Nope, just me. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Even though there is a market the, oh, for, for them, sure. clearly, because they yeah. there are plenty of them. Yeah. Uh oh, but also back to the portals of hell show. Yeah. In season three, guess where they go for one episode? Eloise. Yep. Fun. They didn't go in the basement at all. That's weird because I think like that's where we felt the most activity. That in the fifth floor, yeah. which was like the men's ward, and yeah. I don't think, and also that weird bathtub thing. There was another yeah. weird bathtub that they were like having some there stuff. Were electrotherapy happen. tubs. Yeah. Would zip zap you? Yes, but there was another one. No zap.
0: just zip and zap.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so it was very interesting to watch that. And I'm sure they went to all the floors. It's probably just where they like, oh, hi, Minerva. It was like,
0: no, Zopp. Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> it was just it was interesting. I'm sure they probably went everywhere. You know, in the building, they just didn't. Right. Get Show it. Well, they probably didn't get stuff that was yeah. interesting. You know, editing and all
0: the ghosts didn't sign the release. Exactly. Those ghosts on exactly. those floors.
2: But it did have me thinking about our trip to Eloise that was and a fun time. how much I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a ghost
0: is what I'm missing in my life. Oh, yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. I mean, they can be like Casper, the friendly ghost. Yeah. Just like, help me
0: out. Do some stuff. Maybe clean my gutters. Can ghosts clean gutters? I'd love if a ghost to clean my gutters. Putting that out there in the energy.
2: I mean, if they're um poltergeist. Okay. Yeah. They can move stuff.
0: Okay. I got to find a nice poltergeist who's great friendly with gutters. Friendly poltergeist. Yes, yeah. That's it. Okay. No biggie. Yeah. Yeah. Just putting it out there.
2: This is your ad.
4: Yes. (laughs) Hashtag not sponsored.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful.
4: Yeah.
0: Speaking of Discovery Plus, though, have you watched Trixie Motel at all yet?
2: I haven't. I did see what's on there, but then I was already deepened. (laughs) Fair. But I made note of it. I was like, oh, I see that's there. It's fun. It's fun. It's just
0: like, it's Trixie, but like. Through the lens of an HGTV makeover yeah, show, so she's which like, "Which is perfect, yeah." Because she loves making all the cheesy jokes and yeah. like, you know, she's great at it. And yeah. the hotel is so fun, or the motel, yeah. Like each room has a different theme. Nicole Meyer mm-hmm. was on the second one.
2: Oh, I love her. Yeah, I mean, you knew.
3: Yeah, but that's another fun one on Discovery Plus. It's
2: one of those apps that I'm like, I'm not getting rid of this one. Yeah. There's a few I need to like end my accounts with because I don't really use them. Yeah. But not this one. Tell you, these kids these days, they're so so with All (laughs) these
0: movies and streaming services. Uh I was thinking about that though, because like I don't I mean, we have even talked about this because I don't remember who I talk about with what anymore. Mm -hmm. But growing up, we didn't have access to endless possibilities of movies and everything. It was kind of like. The like movie collection that your family had growing up. And then occasionally you could go rent something from like family video with the library.
2: Oh, my God. Well, mine was Blockbuster, but like yeah. going to the video store was the most exciting thing. I used to love doing it. That was like high school. A really good night in high school it was like going to the video store. Yeah. And getting stuff for the weekend and yep. then being able to also get a pizza. Yep. Amazing time.
3: What was the pizza place for you?
2: I would say when I was really little, I was probably hungry. Howie's or Little Caesars for accessibility reasons. Yeah. And then in high school, it definitely became more Jets. Yeah. Uh, just because like I had more friends near the Jets. Yeah. And so it became like more on the radar and it'd be, yeah. and we could drive.
3: Yeah.
0: At the end of my neighborhood, mm-hmm. there was a family video and a Marco's pizza that was originally a oh. Dolly's pizza. Oh,
2: <gasps> I forgot about Dolly's. Also Dolly's because of the cream cheese dip.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dolly's was there for like a minute. Then it was like a Marcos for a long time. We also like a Benitos pretty close.
2: We ended up getting a Benitos, but I was a little I think I was already moved out. Like I've had it. I like honestly forgot they twice. existed until
0: like this moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends used to work there.
2: Okay. There was a really cute guy in my high school that worked at Hungry Howie's. uh uh-huh. That also might have helped with the Hungry Howie's ordering.
3: Yeah
0: go see him
2: well no have him drive to your house
0: oh even better
2: yeah he was a delivery person so it's like yeah this is just like where i live in case
0: you ever want to like come back and like hang out or whatever Whatever. like take me on a date i don't know no biggie Mm. anyway thanks for the pizza bye actually no it was probably more like this
2: hi uh keep the change bye yeah that that was actually that was a reenactment of what actually happened yeah (laughs)
0: It's hard talking to people, especially when you got a crush on them.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say he was like the crush, but he was definitely like cute, very cute. And I would talk to him occasionally, you know, so I was like, "Mm, he cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at crushes. (laughs) Me neither. Mm -hmm. Who is?
0: I know some people are actually. There are some people. There are some people who can go on like multiple first dates in a week. And I'm like, I can go on like three a year tops.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had a period like that though. I think when I first moved to LA, I had two dates in one evening once mm-hmm. because I was insane. Uh, but yeah, I did for a while. I was kind of on a like at least two or three a week. Yeah, because I didn't know anybody. Yeah, that, like so it was. I feel like if I
0: moved to a new place, yeah, I would maybe like be more interested in dating on the dating apps, but like.
2: Well, it, yeah, because it's a way to, to meet, meet people. people yeah. And also, too, I was also <laughs> I was also in a, a Yelp Elite member or something I gave this enough for you. reviews.
0: Love this yeah. for you. So
2: I got to go to a few like Yelp Elite events, which I think is really funny. That is. And I met some people. Uh, none of those friendships lasted, but I did like exchange information with a few people that way. It just didn't really like. Right. Turn into anything but it was like right when I got there <laughs> yeah. and I got some really good free food. So that's good. Yeah. It was like fancy restaurants and stuff would have these Yelp elite events to like
0: get like more buzz about the restaurant. That yep. makes sense. Yep. That's very LA. I feel like.
2: Yeah. Like I went to this one place that had like, they had scallops like in little shells and then they had like a little plastic syringe thing that you were supposed to shoot something into watermelon while you ate it all or something. It was like a whole like fancy yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. Those like
0: types of dinners are always interesting.
2: It was very interesting experience. That was unlike anything I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yelp Elite. Just like, the title alone.
2: Uh-huh. It was it was a time. Yeah. It was a time. And, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> How did we do that, And That was not playing. I wasn't even looking
0: at you. Yeah? No.
2: Oh wow. Uh so we uh, my computer wasn't charged and that's where we record and technical it,
0: difficulties. It
2: died. We had to shut it down for a little bit and, and let a, her we Took a little break. Yeah. You know, we all need a little break sometime.
0: Absolutely. So,
2: her included. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was charging for two days, uh, but apparently was not actually plugged in. So. That's always the worst. Yeah. It yeah. Really, <laughs> it's not the best. I yeah. know that. Uh, So we we gave her a little time, and I'm going to monitor her for the rest of it. And if we need need to again, we will. But we're back.
0: Yeah, we're back, and I'm glad she's back. Keep monitoring her because I've got a long one today. It's definitely going to be a couple episodes.
2: Okay, are we doing two or three? I think it's going to be three. Okay, so let's just do it. We're doing three three episodes. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, love it. So I'm very excited to hear what this is about. You've hinted at it without giving me any actual hints. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I'm so happy. And it literally, there were a few times I had to check our episode list and like, has one of us talked about this before? There was a few things where I'm like, this is way up one of our alleys. How have we never talked about this before? I'm very intrigued. So you ready to know what yes, I got? Yes. Okay.
2: I'm so excited, and I don't know what it is.
0: A lot of the story comes from. This actually like this U of M exhibit from 1999. Okay. That was LGBTQ. I don't think they did the Q back then. I think it was just LGBT heritage. The exhibit was titled Michigan's LGBT heritage. Okay. And so it like started 1846 and went to
2: 1999. Oh,
0: nice. And so basically I kind of just went through the whole timeline and things that sounded interesting did a deep dive. And so it's basically just a random collection of a bunch of mini stories interspersed with dates of like LGBT landmarks and okay. I don't know what's like the negative version of a landmark cuz there's a lot of those
3: too
2: um site sure. <laughs> cuz it's usually just going to be a site for something that well, happened i was mean, like, right? like oh um
0: bad times we'll just call it bad times there's good times there's bad times there's weird times
2: and Let's just mean times
0: it. yeah so part 1 we're starting off on 1846 Okay. Sodomy or crime against nature is formally outlawed in Michigan. Ah, yes. And just a formal definition of sodomy, sexual intercourse involving anal or oral copulation.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So
0: anal and blowjobs out. Yep. Can't do those anymore. Mm-hmm. Illegal.
2: All I know is in Rent, in La Vie Boheme, uh-huh. sodomy, it's between God and me to s I love that. Yeah.
4: So that's where we're starting. Sodomy is illegal.
2: I can't say fantastic.
4: Yeah. But
0: here's a fun one, though. So now we're in 1865. Have you heard of a woman named Sarah Emma Edmonds?
2: I've heard those names, but not together.
0: Okay. So in 1865, she published her book, Nurse and Spy in the Union Army. Interest. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So let's dive into who Sarah is. Okay. Born in December 1841 in New Brunswick, Canada as Sarah Emma Edmondson. Okay. She was the youngest of her siblings and she would kind of face abuse at the hands of her father who wanted a son to help with the crops on the farm since her only brother suffered from fits, which was most likely epilepsy. Okay. And so he was like really hoping for a son to help him on the farm. And Mm -hmm. so the Sarah comes along and she's like, fuck,
1: Mm -hmm. which is not great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, poor
0: Sarah. Yeah. So at 15, she fled her home to escape an arranged marriage, and her mother likely helped her escape since she too had been made to marry young. Mm-hmm. And she went to a town called Moncton in New Brunswick. Okay. And where she changed her last name from Edmondson to Edmonds in an attempt to hide from her father, and she also started a millinery shop with a friend. Okay. Ladies'
2: hats. Thank you. I was like, I heard that word. I have no idea what it is. Ladies, hats, millinery. You have actually brought that word up before, I believe. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know who was a a a millinist. Milliners? Milliners?
0: Milliners? Milliners? Hat makers? Okay, sure. Hat ladies making their hats? Yes. So she was hiding out in her millinery shop. And this would only work for so long because her father eventually found her. So she got taken back and had to make another escape. But this one kind of a bit more drastic. She's like, you know what? I got to go bigger, go further. Mm -hmm. So she adopted the guys. Go bigger,
2: go bolder, go home.
0: Yeah. And she's like, I'm not to go home. No. So she adopted the guise of a man named Franklin Thompson in order to travel easier.
2: Okay. Dressing and acting as a... Wait. What? It just occurred to me what you said, and I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So
0: she's like, I'm Franklin Thomas, dude. Got to get out of here. Like I mentioned earlier, her father wanted a son. So like dressing and acting as a man was not foreign to Sarah, as when she was growing up, her father made her dress as a boy to help out around the farm. Okay. She didn't identify as trans, but trans wasn't a thing back then. Yeah. So that's well, we'll get into it's it too. Hard, I was gonna
2: say, and it's like hard to necessarily you can't go back and ask right Sarah not
0: yet about technology it. hasn't gotten there yeah, yet.
2: Yeah, yeah. So like or was it a disguise right. or was it doing what they wanted to do? You it know it was what I mean? probably like, both. Yeah. It was probably both. Yeah.
0: And so here we are. Yeah. So Sarah now going as Franklin Thompson. She crossed the U.S. border and wound up in Hartford, Connecticut, selling Bibles door-to-door. Mm-hmm. The owner said she was the best salesman he had in his 30 years of business. Okay. But now on to what Sarah was best known for, okay. as the title of her book may have suggested. Mm-hmm. See, Sarah wanted adventures like uh, the ones in her favorite childhood book, Fanny Campbell, the female pirate captain. Love it. Right? It was a book about a woman who dressed as a man during the American Revolution to adventure on a pirate ship. Even after the war, Fanny would continue to dress as a man. Many think this was Sarah's inspiration to, quote, escape the limitations of her sex.
2: Wow. You know, I think that this happened. In history, more than like people oh, really know, because sure. there are like a ton of stories out there. I just really briefly in yeah. high school. I don't know what the name of the book was, but I had to do a book report about or a biography. I had to read a biography or something like yeah, that. And yeah. Do a report, and I found one. I believe that it was a jazz musician. I believe named Billy Tipton. I'd have to look it up to sure. make sure. Yeah, but it was um it was about a jazz musician who was tradi- biologically born female yeah uh but wanted to be a jazz musician so much and took on a male identity Uh and actually ended up being married three times to three different women who never knew yeah and like it was just incredibly interesting also i'm not sure that it made my english teacher super comfortable Uh in my book report just because i had to talk about how the wives didn't know yeah (laughs) and there were you know Uh, techniques and maneuvers and i mean i wasn't super graphic about those techniques or maneuvers but you know i think my teacher was like i don't know what to do with this uh person because this is the late 90s yeah Uh, this is not today
0: yeah yeah not not a great time as the timeline has pointed out to me
2: yeah but no but then like the book was just fascinating though and i thought it was so cool And because I never heard a story like that before. Yeah. And I think that there is a lot more of that throughout history. And I think there there needs to be a lens put more on, you know, the, yeah. the ones oh, we absolutely. do know about. Yeah. I have
0: been bringing this story to them.
2: Yeah. I'm excited.
0: So here's the Michigan connection. Because like I said, mm-hmm. she ended up in Hartford, Connecticut at first. So in May of 1861, she took her alias of Franklin Flint Thompson, new okay. middle name, who dis? Uh, they thought that maybe even came from the Michigan city of Flint. Yeah. And she enlisted for Company F of the 2nd Michigan Infantry, which was also known as the Flint Union Grays. Oh, okay. Her first assignment was as a field nurse for several campaigns. In her memoir, she states that her time in Richmond, Virginia, would take her career in a new direction. Mm -hmm. And so two things happened in Richmond. One, a Union spy was caught and killed via firing squad. And two, her friend James Vesey was killed in ambush. Hmm. So she took advantage of the open spy position as a way to avenge Vessi's death. Okay. And so this is where things kind of get dicey historically because there's no like record of this in her military. Because she did have military records, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't records of her being a spy, but she was also a spy. So Mm -hmm. like they're not writing down this person's a spy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Kind of like. Some people are pointing out there's no historical records of this. It's also like we also know how record keeping is.
2: Yeah.
3: Pre-internet.
2: Yeah. I mean. You can look at the facts and I get like you shouldn't like speculate. Right. Necessarily. But. You can also indicate that there's a possibility. Yeah.
0: And like she gives firsthand. Like so basically a lot of the evidence comes from her firsthand account in her memoir. Okay. And she she had some pretty interesting adventures and had to come up with many new disguises on top of her full-time Franklin one. Wow. Yeah. So she's a woman dressed as a man serving in the Union Army as a spy who's now disguising
3: herself as other people.
2: Wow. That's a lot to... Yeah. Like, keep... Yeah. Not control, but like, keep tack of. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: She once posed as an Irish peddler by the name of Bridget O'Shea who was selling apples and soap to Confederate soldiers.
2: So now she's doing an accent, too.
0: Yep. (laughs) Problematic. Sometimes her disguises, she would use silver nitrate to dye her skin black and then Mm. would don a wig Mm. to pass as black men or women. One such time was very fruitful, though, when she was posing as a black laundress and was able to snatch a packet of official papers that fell out of one of the Confederate officers' jacket. Mm. So... Not cool that she did that, but it was also for good reason. I don't know. It's dicey.
2: It's dicey. But again, like historical context, like I'm not saying it's okay or anything like that, but it was a different time. And I don't believe
0: that. And it wasn't done like the traditional like entertainment making fun. No, I was going to say the meaning
2: behind it was like purely disguise, not necessarily any anything else other than that. Still wouldn't recommend. Yeah, would never do you
0: know but, yeah
2: i don't think she did it out of a, a
0: malicious it didn't come yeah, from a malicious place exactly. it came from i just need to disguise myself yet yeah. again mm-hmm. it's kind of giving me victor victoria vibes and i kind of love it not the blackface, just everything <laughs> else
2: yeah no no, no. It, well because it's switching so much yeah you know what i mean there's like a lot of uh
0: which also if you haven't seen victor victoria go go do that after this
2: yeah i'm glad i did
0: yeah mm-hmm. it's a fun one so she was also on top of her spy work doing detective work for the union and was able to uncover a Confederate agent in Kentucky. Hmm. So things are going pretty well for Sarah. All things considered until 1862, when she suffered injury, when her mule threw her in a ditch. Oh no. It sounds like she was able to come back from that. Like she kind of like hurt, but like she didn't have to go get anything major. Mm -hmm. Cause that happened in 1863. So in 1863, she contracted malaria and was urged by doctors to seek treatment at a hospital. Fearful of being discovered as a woman, she did not want to go to a military hospital. So instead, she like snuck away and checked herself into a private hospital with the intent to return after her recovery.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The issue was, by the time she was better, the military had marked Frank Thompson as a deserter.
2: Oh, they're posters she had to up and everything. Up with a whole new thing then. It's,
0: she didn't want to. She's okay. like, rather than try and like return to that or any other disguise, she decided to serve under her real name in a DC hospital as a nurse. Okay. And like, I was
2: wondering where the nurse part was going to come in, actually.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, she was a field nurse initially. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So she was like field no nurse, spy, yeah. detective, malaria
4: mm-hmm. nurse, nurse.
0: And like, it eventually like came out to her military faction group yeah. team group yeah squadron posse so it came out that she had been a woman you know and surprisingly her fellow soldiers were like whatever she was a good soldier like we don't care i think that's really cool oh, cool yeah, yeah. her sexuality was never discussed but she did end up marrying a man at some point with whom she had three children all of them died in childhood and then the couple adopted oh. two sons
2: oh okay
0: also, in 1882, she did go through the process to clear Frank Thompson's name as a deserter in order to get her twelve dollars a month military pension, mm-hmm. and she was able to. Oh, and good. like she like was able to like go to like her other her squadron mates, teammates, friends were basically mm-hmm. just like squad. yeah, that, her that, squad. Her, yeah, her squad was like, no, she did this. She's great. Give her her money. She got her money.
2: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and, and so,
2: unexpected. Yeah. So yeah. since
0: then, historians have been arguing about. How much of Sarah's story is true? They basically all agreed that she served in the army, but there's some doubts on her spy work. Oh. Yeah. So that's where that's kind of the story of Sarah.
4: Yeah. Sarah. think.
0: Yeah. So. Now we're in 1882. Okay. Oscar Wilde lectures at the Detroit Music Hall.
2: Okay. Do you know anything about Oscar Wilde? Do you know about him? I mean, surface level, very surface level, though, not anything.
0: OK. For those of you who don't know, Oscar Wilde is an Irish poet and author who was notoriously gay, like wasn't very secretive about it. Mm-hmm. And his gross indecency trials for being caught in consensual homosexual acts were kind of like the early, early days of celebrity trials.
2: Oh, I guess I don't he think I knew the that picture part. of Dorian Gray. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah.
0: He also uh, brought about one of the first like gay symbols, like the gay symbol like code things. Oh, OK. Because like at the opening of one of his play, he asked all his gay friends to wear a green carnation in their lapel. OK. And so for a while, green carnations were like a symbol of like gay. Yeah. 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 OK. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So he came to Detroit and lectured. Nice. Yeah. In 1893, Dr. Henry Hulst begins advocating hypnosis as an alternative treatment for homosexuals rather than castration.
2: Oh. Uh- Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, it's like, you don't have to cut it off. Just hypnotize them.
2: Uh, yeah. Or just don't do anything. But, you know. The
0: 1800s, that's not an option.
2: hmm Well,
0: we're in the 1900s now. It's 1903. Michigan specifically outlaws gross indecency between males. Women are still fine. We'll get to them later. Okay. But now we're in 1924, and this is the one that I, like, texted you, do you know this person? And I'm so okay. happy you did not, because I love this story.
2: Okay, I'm excited.
0: Not because it's, like, great, but it, well, it's, no. yeah, it's yeah. true crimey. Okay. Oh. So, in 1924, the trial of two former U of M students, Richard Loeb and Nathan Leopold, happens. Okay. What'd they get got for? Uh-oh. The murder of a 14-year-old. Oh!
4: <gasps> Wow.
0: Yeah. So let's rewind and see how this went down. Yeah. So Leopold and Loeb were both born into affluent Chicago families in 1904 and 1905, respectively. Mm -hmm. Leopold was a child prodigy, thought to have spoken his first word at four months. Another source said four years. So I'm not quite sure.
2: Okay. That's the difference.
0: Yeah. He also studied 15 languages, claiming to be fluent in five. He also garnered some national recognition for his contributions to ornithology. Oh. Bird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lowell, on the other hand, was also exceptionally bright and became the youngest graduate of U of M at the age of 17. Okay. He was a student at the University of Chicago Law School at the time of the murder and was interested in history.
2: That's okay. So he came where, the, wait, did this happen in Chicago or did it happen? Chicago. Oh, it happened in Chicago. It happened in okay. Chicago, yeah. Okay.
0: So the two grew up in similar circles, but things really took off when they were both at the University of Chicago. Oh, okay. They bonded over their mutual interest of crime, red flag number one, red flag
2: number two. Wait, 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 wait. First of all, fair. when we say interest in crime, there's a difference between like interest in crime stories and interest in wanting to do crime.
0: It probably started off innocently enough, but here's where red flag number two comes that's in. That's fine.
2: I'm just, I wanted to no, decipher for sure, for just sure. because somebody is into like stories of true crime no, no. does not make them interested in it because I have no desire to perform in, any of them. Yeah.
0: So Leopold was also fascinated by Nietzsche's concept of Ubermensch or Superman. Do you know anything about that?
2: I don't. So I know n- who Nietzsche is yeah. a little bit, but that's about it.
0: So he had this like, concept of ubermensch that were basically like supermen, kind Uh of like they are these beings that are naturally higher than everyone else Mm -hmm. and kind of like or here's at least what Leopold interpreted them as quote, transcendent individuals possessing extraordinary and unusual capabilities whose superior intellects allowed them to rise above the laws and rules that bound the unimportant average populace
2: Uh basically
0: like People who are just like naturally above everything. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think I've dated several people who are.
0: Thought this. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I know I have too.
2: Thought that they were ubermensch.
0: Yeah. And they were not. They weren't even mensch. Mm, No. Their ship. Uh, Anyway, so Leopold was like, I'm pretty sure this is us. We're ubermensch. We're above (laughs) the law. Let's test. Mm -hmm. So he wrote a letter to Loeb stating the following quote, a Superman is on account of certain superior qualities inherent in him exempted from the ordinary laws, which govern men. He is not liable for anything he may do.
2: Okay. Yeah. Mm, That's not true, but okay. Yeah. So their, their crime
0: started small, petty theft, vandalism, breaking into U of M frat house. Then they moved on to more serious things like arson. But nobody mm. seemed to notice them, and they wanted that. So they really were like, haha, we are. Yeah, so this gave them the idea to commit, quote, the perfect crime uh-huh. that would get them public attention and affirm their Superman status they thought they had.
2: That's oh,
0: so awful. Yeah. They decided that the perfect crime was to kidnap and murder a younger adolescent.
2: Yes, because preying on somebody younger and probably a little weaker and also two against one... That's really a way to prove your yeah. strength in a situation. Yeah. Well, it wasn't actually about
0: physical strength. Well, it was more right. just like
2: prowess or whatever. Proving that
0: they're like, like above everything, that like they could, yeah. they're so smart and so good that they could commit the perfect crime yeah. and get away with it. Hmm. Plot twist, hmm. spoiler alert, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> but come along for the journey. So. Yeah. They spent seven months planning this crime, Mm -hmm. everything from the abduction strategy to how to get rid of the body. They even planned to have a long, drawn-out ransom demand that was just to distract them and buy time. Okay. And when it came time to commit the crime, they decided their target would be Robert Bobby Franks, a 14-year-old son of a wealthy Chicago watchmaker who was also Loeb's across-the-street neighbor and second cousin.
2: Second cousin? Yeah. I mean, I don't know my second cousins, but...
3: I do. I have a lot of them, actually.
2: Well, actually, I do, but... No, those are my third cousins, but I just think of them as cousins. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, same. Yeah. I'm not like, hello, second cousin.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: So... It was May 21st, 1924, when the pair rented an automobile under the name Morton D. Ballard and offered Bobby a ride home. Mm -hmm. The boy initially was like, no, it's only two blocks. But Loeb was a charmer and managed to convince Bobby to get in the car under the guise of discussing tennis. He's like, I got a new tennis racket. You want to see? Mm hmm. And so Bobby got in, and the order of events that happened next are disputed, but what we do know what happened was Theopold was probably driving as Loeb was in the back seat where he struck Bobby in the passenger seat repeatedly with a chisel. Then Loeb dragged him into the back seat with him where he gagged Bobby, who eventually died.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: The two then drove to their designated dump spot on Wolf Lake in Hammond, Indiana, To obscure the identity of the body, they used hydrochloric acid to (gasps) disfigure the face and genitalia. The genitalia was to hide the fact that he was circumcised. They thought that would make it harder to find him or something. I don't really know.
2: Well, I mean, anytime you're, I guess, disfiguring. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) That's so gross, though.
0: Yeah. So the two men dumped the body and returned to Chicago, where the word on the street was that Bobby was missing. Leopold called Bobby's mother using the alias George Johnson to tell her he had kidnapped and the instruction for the ransom would be mailed. They then burned their blood-stained clothes, cleaned the car, and then had a lovely evening playing cards. Oh, great. The next morning, rolls around. The ransom process proved overly complicated. They, They called in the morning. We're like, here's the step. Wait until this time. We'll call you at like 1 p.m. Basically, like, here's this first step. Wait hours. We'll give you the next one soon. Mm
1: hmm.
0: What had happened at that time, though, was Bobby's body was found.
2: Oh, wow. That's quick.
0: Yeah. So much for the perfect crime. The body I was, was say, found. So they
2: did a really bad job. Yeah. Well,
0: like they were just so confident. They're like, how could things possibly go wrong? Yeah. Meanwhile, there's like witnesses that saw them like yeah. driving around and stuff. It was. Yeah. The middle
2: of the day.
0: Yeah. So by the time came to give the second step, the family already knew the boy was dead. Oh, wow. Leopold and Loeb were like, let's go destroy this typewriter that we used that was stolen from U of M. Uh, they burned the blanket they had used to move the body and went about their lives as normal. Uh huh. As the Chicago PD launched their investigation.
2: Uh huh.
0: Loeb was a bit more tight lipped than Leopold who talked freely to reporters and the cops, giving theories of what happened, and even went as far as saying, quote, If I were to murder anybody, it would be just such a cocky little son of a bitch as Bobby Frank's. What the fuck? Yeah.
2: Dude.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So the two might have gotten away with it. Probably not. If Leopold had not made one fatal error. Uh Uh-oh. When they were getting rid of the body, Uh a pair of his glasses fell out of his pocket and we were at the crime scene. And they weren't just any glasses. They had a hinge that was only purchased by three customers in the entire city of Chicago. Wow. And like one was like a woman who was out of town. The other guy was like also out of town. And the third person was Leopold. So like, all right. So it was pretty easy to zero in. Yeah, and so he even tried to play it off that maybe he left them there on a bird watching trip from a previous weekend, but just like CNN um, Plus, nobody was buying it.
2: <laughs> That's real rich there, sir. Yeah. Uh, no.
0: Right. Loeb ended up confessing first and claimed that Leopold planned everything and did the killing and that he himself just drove. Mm-hmm. Shortly after, Leopold confessed, but claimed that he was the driver and Loeb was the murderer. Mm. In Leopold's book that was written much later and after Loeb was dead, he quotes Loeb as saying, Momsie feels less terrible than she might thinking you did it, and I'm not going to take that shred of comfort away from her. <laughs> Basically, like, my mom feels better that you did it, so I'm not going to tell her that. Like, you know, we're just going to roll with you did it. Yeah. And it, of course, became a media spectacle when it hit the courts and becoming the trial of the century. And this is one of the reasons why it made the LGBT heritage exhibit, because they were gay. One of the documentaries I watched kind of even made some comment of like, I think like Leopold was obsessed with Loeb, possibly the other way around. One of them was kind of like, if you do this thing, I'll let you do things to me kind of thing. I think there was like tip for tat. They were just like two gay guys. And like, so the, the articles were like sex perversions as like a way to vilify them in the public eye. Oh. Not saying they shouldn't be vilified, but no, not no, because no. of their sexuality.
2: No, they had nothing to Everyone do with that. I do to be a shitty
0: person, even gay people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, let's remember they're super rich. So they were able to hire Clarence oh. Darrow.
2: That name is familiar. Why is that name He was the most renowned
0: defense attorney at the time, and he was the one who defended the Scopes Monkey Trial. Monkey Trial. trial. Yeah. Yeah. I was just
2: about to say he was the Monkey Trial guy. Okay. Yeah.
0: Which, -hmm. if you don't know, that was the case where a high school teacher tried to teach evolution in a state-funded school in 1925 Mm -hmm. and got caught.
2: And there's that one movie about it. Yeah. That Uh, I had to watch in school. It was good. I I probably had to watch at some point,
0: but I can't remember either.
2: Yeah. So Darrow was a member
0: of the ACLU and a staunch opponent to capital punishments, which is one of the main reasons he like gave for taking the case. He's like Mm -hmm. capital punishments wrong. These boys are most likely going to get it. Let's Mm -hmm. see what I can do about it.
4: Mm -hmm. It
0: also didn't hurt that uh, there were rumors he was getting paid one million dollars to do it. That. uh, Yeah. Which wasn't true. He only got 70,000, which is about one point one million today.
2: Okay, so. In future money, he was getting a million dollars. Yeah.
0: So he took an interesting approach to the case. He thought if they tried to say not guilty by reason of insanity, any jury would find them guilty and they'd get the death penalty. Mm -hmm. So instead, he had them plead guilty in hopes of convincing the judge to give them life in prison instead. So he's like, we're skipping the bench trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going straight to just like, yup, guilty.
2: Well, it's so down the one person. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. So basically he's like, you're yeah, done fucked up. We, everyone knows you fucked up, but let's see if I can at least save your lives kind of thing. Yeah. He gave a 12 hour long plea during the trial. Wow. I won't go too far into it, but it's one of the big points he made was death was so prevalent because of world war one and even the civil war that these types of crime are always higher after war. Because people come back or have been reading about it and the value of human life seems less because they've just been either seeing it or reading about hundreds of people dying every day. Oh. Also that they were young and influenced by philosophies they learned in school. Because again, at the time they're like nineteen, twenty, mm-hmm. and like, you know. Yeah. Stupid kids.
2: Yeah.
4: Adults. Stupid
0: young adults.
2: Yeah. These are very creative arguments. Yeah. Because I'm like... Ooh.
0: Lastly, he argued, "What good would killing them do for the community?" Mm-hmm. And this, like, it's one of the speeches that Clarence Darrow's best known for mm-hmm. because he made just such an eloquent argument against the death penalty. And like,
2: okay, yeah, I mean, like, the death penalty is very gross. Yeah,
0: um, just kind of like he was like, kind of like, why does bloodshed mean more bloodshed? Why does killing yeah. mean that killing is the answer? He was basically like, why show this evil hatred? Because everyone's... He was like, we all know that they did a wrong thing. Yeah. But instead of coming back with them with hate and taking their lives, mm-hmm. what if we showed compassion and love and gave them life in prison? Because nobody's saying these people should be on the streets. Yeah. But they also didn't kill Bobby with like... It wasn't like a malice thing. They didn't like hate him.
4: I don't know what said that like Yeah, that's a a damning
0: quote. Like Clarence Darrow made an argument like they killed Bobby as one would kill a spider for like the experience of it, which is not good, very fucked up. Yeah. But it was it was like a lot of complicated arguments.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a very complicated situation. Like what they did is very, very wrong. Yeah. For sure. The death penalty is also just, like, a very complicated thing yeah. in its in its essence, too. Yeah. And it's honestly something that, I, like, sometimes I can see both sides of the argument. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm not saying, like, I agree with both sides because I don't, but I can see both sides of the argument to it. Yeah. And it is kind of, um, I know it's a very complicated yeah. thing to think about.
3: Yeah.
0: I can see how it took 12 hours.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, like, he had to be very good at his job to come up with, like, yeah. the, the type of um, police that one would have to in that situation.
3: Yeah. And
0: like the whole time, he's like, they're guilty. They did this thing yeah. that was wrong. Because you can't, Everyone knows you can't that. argue
2: against that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So in the end, they ended up getting life in prison for the murder and an additional 99 years for the kidnapping. Okay. So the two were both sent to Joliet Prison where, despite an effort to keep them apart, the two maintained their friendship. Mm. They were both transferred. What?
2: I said, mm. Yeah. I don't love that. Well, you know, just keep
0: listening. Okay. So they were both transferred, first Leopold, then Loeb, to Stateville Penitentiary in 1931. Mm-hmm. Once they were reunited there, they actually like did some good. They expanded the prison school system to add a high school and junior college curriculum. Okay. Uh, in 1936, Loeb was attacked and killed by fellow inmate James Day.
1: Ooh.
0: Day had claimed that Loeb assaulted him, but the evidence on Loeb told a different story. Like, Day showed no injuries as opposed to Loeb who had over 50 wounds, in- indicating defensive ones on his arms and hands, oh. and the fatal blow was a straight razor to the neck. Ooh. What's more likely to happen was Loeb had propositioned Day and in gay panic, Day killed Loeb, Mm. which gay panic, we will unfortunately be hearing that a lot in this Mm. timeline. Uh, The prison didn't want to doubt that there was some same sex behavior in the prison and decided to go with the story that Day was defending himself. Day was tried and acquitted for the murder of Loeb. The real kicker was that Day got caught more than once after that in sexual act with another inmate. Mm. Leopold fell into depression after this, but despite this, he ended up doing a lot of good while in prison, including reorganizing the library, teaching in the revamped school system and volunteered in the prison hospital. Uh, the strangest, though, was he volunteered for a malaria study where they gave him live <gasps> malaria and then oh, subjected no. him to several experimental treatments for it.
2: Did did it solve it?
0: <laughs> I don't know. It, that was really all the information that oh, no. they had on that. Uh-huh. So an author and former classmate of Leopold wanted to write a fiction book about the ordeal and asked for Leopold's help. And Leopold was like, no, <laughs> please don't. But the author did anyway. Um, and the result was 1956 compulsion that depicted Leopold under the pseudonym Judd Steiner as a brilliant but troubled teen who was driven to kill because of his troubled childhood and obsession with Loeb. Okay, so it was Leopold who was obsessed okay. with Loeb. Mm-hmm. Leopold did not like this and two years later put out his own autobiography. It was part of his campaign to win parole and he was actually awarded parole in 1958. Oh, wow. This wasn't his first bid for parole, but it was the one that stuck. Overall, he ended up serving 33 years. After that, he moved to Puerto Rico to work as a medical technician for the Brethren Service Commission, which was a religious org.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And now if you're like listening to the story and thinking, there's something kind of familiar about this. In 1929, Patrick Hamilton wrote the play Rope that was based on the crime. In the play, the two were depicted as being in a homosexual relationship. In 1948, Alfred Hitchcock made an, adapted the play to a movie. Uh-huh. And at the time, it wasn't picked up on that they were, like, homosexuals, because this was a time, like, Hays Code. Mm-hmm. So anything gay was kind of just, like, no-no in films. Mm-hmm. But, like, watching the movie now, because I've watched it twice since researching this, mm-hmm. and literally, it's an interesting premise for a movie, because it's kind of like, it's not a 14-year-old, day murder, and it's not...
2: What's the, wait, what's the title? Rope. Rope. Okay, sorry. So it's yes.
0: Rope by Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. and the plot basically is these two men kill another man, at, like, literally the first scene is them killing this man. I couldn't help but laugh because I'm pretty sure the first line in the movie, if not the first one of the first few, Mm -hmm. is they commit this murder and they're both just standing there kind of still frozen. And the one guy just goes, can we just stay like this for just a minute? Mm -hmm. Which I feel like is very like post-coital thing to say. Mm -hmm. So they kill this guy at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. and have a dinner party planned afterwards. Mm -hmm. So they hide the body and have this dinner party. And the whole time... They have to like pretend this guy is not dead because he was invited to the dinner party along with but his parents, his girlfriend. And he just invites this like random assortment of people that's like the guy's parents, the guy's girlfriend, the guy's girlfriend's ex-boyfriend, and then like their prep school headmaster or whatever. Okay. And that like, they're going on and like the parents like, this isn't like David to be late. And they're like, wow, yeah, I don't know what happened to him. And one guy's cool as a cucumber and the other guy's like fucking losing it. And so it's just interesting very hitchcockian in that way of like building tension of will they get caught Won't they get caught who's yeah. gonna be the one to spill the beans
2: yeah you know um, i mean i think you have to have the opposite characters in yeah. those roles of like yeah. yeah it sounds interesting
0: i love it and it's like a great length for a movie too it's like 82 minutes
2: it is a great length right yeah
0: which is probably the reason why i've watched it twice yeah because it's like a quick one I've never
2: heard of it. So that's very interesting to me. I mean, like, I'm not a Hitchcock expert by any stretch of the imagination. I've seen a handful.
0: Yeah. Well, the reason I had heard of this movie, is I am pretty sure it came up in the celluloid closet because this was like also in a period in film where like a lot of villains were gay coded. Okay. The villains usually had some kind of like gayness about them. Mm hmm. It's uh, inspired a lot, actually. So like, there's that book, Compulsions, which also got a made-for-TV movie. Uh, in 2014, things got meta when a theater scholar wrote a book called Murder Most Queer that examines the changing attitudes towards homosexuality and the different adaptations of the story.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Because it's like, it yeah. happened in the 20s and it's been adapted.
2: Multiple times. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so it's just kind of like studying the changes in.
2: Each one. Yeah. Each generation. Like
0: how they. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, The last Easter egg I will put out there for the story is on season three of Riverdale, Archie goes to a (laughs) prison named Leopold and Loeb. Oh, yeah.
2: You know, what? I feel like I've heard the names Leopold and Loeb together in other situations. Like every time you said it, it felt familiar, but I don't, I could not tell you why or where.
0: Yeah. I think it's just because it's literally like been adapted like in TV shows, movies, books, whatever. That like, because it was like a big crime at the time. It was yeah.
4: a big,
3: big deal. It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where we're going to leave off for part one. Okay. Of the story.
2: Okay. Wow. Yeah. This was unexpected, but such a, no, I don't want to say delight because some of this is very yeah. tragic and terrible. Um, but it's
0: history you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Yeah. And that's why I'm like so passionate about the story, mm-hmm. stories, I guess lgbtq history is so hard to find a lot of the times yeah and so to just find this resource that's like here's lgbtq history in michigan i'm like i have to do this now
2: i'm glad that you came across it and i'm also glad that you decided to turn it in yeah to to this i'm glad yeah we're going to have a few episodes yeah going through this stuff because it is important and there's a lot of factions of history that are lost or swept under the rug yeah uh be it good or bad parts of history, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there, there's a lot of, I mean, history is all over the place, yeah. literally, but I am glad that you're doing this and, yeah. you know, you're, you're finding these stories, but also kind of weaving them together under, Yeah. you know, one, um, just, theme, yeah, theme. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a really nice way to kind of explore the, these yeah. things that have happened in history. Yeah. So the, I'm thank you. I'm incredibly excited yeah. for the next episode. I'm Yeah, me know, too. I, I know we were talking about doing like a mass recording at one point, but yeah. I I'm just I'm excited to record again cuz we, yeah. we kind of decided rather not to do it and yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. to hear more.
0: Also like I forgot to mention this up top. There's mm-hmm. this fantastic show mm. on Discovery Plus called Book of Queer. That, mm-hmm. like, reexamines history and uncovers all these queer stories that have been buried because, you know, historians are like, well, we don't want him being gay. Let's just hide that. Yeah. It's just, like, a lot of, like, really cool stories mm-hmm. about queer people throughout history that, like, you had no idea. And, like, they have historical scholars, like, no, this is fact. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. They present it in a very fun, campy way a lot of times, mm-hmm. which is nice.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and again, it's one of those things we can't necessarily go back and like ask people, like, right person. I mean, people leave behind notes, or you know what I mean? Well, like, like, they do leave behind things, and I can yeah. see if somebody finding it and sweeping something under the rug because it's taboo, whether it's sexual preference or something else about a person. That's
0: what <laughs> happened to, um, Sistine Chapel. Who was that? that was, Michelangelo? Yes. He, had all these poems mm-hmm. that were addressed to men,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then like his great nephew came across them. He's like, "Ooh!" And he changed all the pronouns to feminine pronouns. Oh,
1: wow! And so
0: like stuff like that, where it's just kind of like
2: mm-hmm. we almost lost
0: it, but then like someone noticed, like none of these pronouns really match up with like the rhyme and cadence, pate- yeah, and stuff like
2: that. Yeah,
0: and then they kind of just like, "Oh, they've all been changed." Interesting. Yeah. So if you're liking this episode and you want more general queer history, mm-hmm. please check out Book of Queer on Discovery Plus.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to do that.
4: Yeah. But yeah, so that's part one.
2: Again, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Uh we are probably gonna switch gears real quick. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask you, do you wanna play Two Truths and a Lie? Absolutely. Uh we are definitely switching gears because. This came from Mental Floss. A mental quick floss. Thumb through of Mental Floss. Yep. And um, I'm not gonna lie, my toilet has been running lately. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you, you know. better go catch it. I oh. don't know. And there's been a few more guests over, and it's just it happens more with guests because you know they don't know how to finesse the handle or yeah. whatever. And it was doing that when I was writing this. Uh-huh. So it is about toilet history.
3: Cool. Because I came across it. a
2: mental floss article. Love it. So are you ready? I am. Okay. Number one, there once was an interactive toilet installation at the Guggenheim. Okay. Number two, in 1750, the French created an oversized wooden wooded seat. When folded, it looked like a book. Okay. Like for a toilet. Yeah. And number three, the first flushable toilet was invented by a man actually named Thomas Crapper in the 1700s. I know that one's true. Uh, okay. What's the lie then? I'm going to go with the lie being
0: the wooden toilet seat.
2: No, that one is true.
0: So, it's so basically googie.
2: it folded up and it, you unfolded it to create a seat. Yeah, But you could fold it up so it could like be on a bookshelf. And the title that's th- where
0: I want to keep my toilet seat, that's my books.
2: The title on the spine was uh, Histoire des pays basse or History of the Netherlands. Of course, it is. I love that. And I wrote cheeky, don't you think? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm terrible. So the lie has to be the
0: Guggenheim one.
2: Nope, that one's true. What <laughs> I got you, we'll get to it in a second. Okay, so uh, the Guggenheim 2016 arti- artist. Maurizio Catalan had a work called America and it featured a solid gold functional toilet on exhibition at the Guggenheim to poke fun at the excess of the art world. Yeah. And it was located in the restroom. So it was interactive and friendly for interaction. Yeah. So now to the lie. Okay. So Thomas Crapper was not actually even alive yet. When the first toilet flushable toilet was created. It was actually created by Sir John Harrington, oddly enough, a distant relative of Kit Harrington. Okay. And he built the toilet in 1596 for his godmother, Queen Elizabeth I. Uh uh-huh. she complained it was too loud, but she used it. Yeah. So Thomas Crapper, I can't, I can't stop. I don't even I don't even like toilet humor, but it is really funny. It's just it's too perfect. Um he did, however, create other plumbing-based patents, such as the ballcock or the little floating valve thing that prevents tank overflow in some toilet. Mm-hmm. And altogether, he did hold nine patents, including designs for uh, early, widely distri- distributed water closets, so flush toilets. So he yeah. kind of like held a patent. Like it wasn't necessarily like patented before yeah. then. He also had a patent for manhole covers. His name can still be seen on many of them throughout London. Crapper. Mm -hmm. Love it. And uh, some sort of joint pipe joints and also drain improvements. So he was basically the plumber of the royal establishments as well, including Westminster Abbey, Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle, amongst other notable locations. Yeah. And he also opened the world's first bathroom showroom in 1870, a time when bodily functions were very taboo still. Uh, And his showroom even featured a try before you buy area.
3: Perfect. Mm
2: -hmm. And... January 27th annually is known as Thomas Crapper Day. Uh And in truth, the Queen's Toilet, so going back to the yeah. actual first toilet of, of 15, I believe 96, mm. it was a royal novelty and it would take a few hundred years to actually become a practical item. Yeah. And in 1775, Scottish inventor Alexander Cummings improved upon Harrington's first idea by introducing a toilet with an S-trap. And this basically meant that the water would remain trapped in the pipe even after flushing and preventing noxious sewer gases from rising. Yeah. So it would like get it away, basically. Yeah. I don't completely know, but I think the first one might have just been a pipe going down. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Thomas Crapper, very important to the development of the toilet as we know it today, but not the one to invent the flushable toilet. Interesting. Yeah. So, I do have a few more toilet fa- fun Please. facts. So, in 1969, um, the California assemblywoman named March Fondue argued that a pay toilet system, so pay to pee. Yeah for public toilets was sexist by nature because men could stand in wherever PNAR, they wanted yeah. to. And to reinforce her point, she took a sledgehammer and bludgeoned a toilet on the steps of the California state capitol in 1969. By 1974, then-Governor Ronald Reagan signed legislation banning pay toilets from the state. And the stunt also helped launch ooh, which EU, I'm not 100% how to say but it launched her into the role of Secretary of State, and she was the first woman to hold that role in California. Work. Yeah. Space toilets. Yeah. They're very interesting. Uh, I've been to an exhibit where they had the, like, the space toilet set up. I can't remember. I think it's in one of the Smithsonian's, maybe? Probably. They've come a long way, though. And to no one's surprise, we're very sexist in the way that they function for a long time. Yeah,
0: they gave Sally Rided like 100 tampons for a week. You expected them to... You understand women. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Yeah. And one thing that they have not gotten away from, so they've come a long way and they yeah. function very differently. There used to be a whole bag system, and I don't know. I'm it didn't go that far into it and I didn't really care. Right. Uh, but they are interesting if you see them at PC, Metho- <laughs> the museum. Well, they're, they're, it's more interesting to actually see in yeah. person, but they are not away from recycling their own pee, or as they put it, quote, today's coffee is tomorrow's coffee. Work. <laughs> which that just made me chuckle. And finally, last but not least, we will go a little back in history again. King Henry VIII had a communal toilet for taking a crap. Communal? Yes. So he actually had one that himself that was not necessarily for everybody, but he had another one that was communal. uh uh-huh. So his was luxury. It was pat it had it like padded back, bedazzled in like pewter and sheepskin above the chamber pot. And he also had a groom of the stool who would relocate his waist. His servants, on the other hand, had a giant <laughs> toilet. Constructed of basically like two levels, and it could handle 28 people at a time. And it's called the Great House of Easement. <laughs> Unfortunately, the cleaners of this bin would sometimes see waste piled over their head. Oh, uh, no. Yes. Not for me. In the good old House of Easement, the Great House of Easement. The Great House
0: of Easement.
2: Does not sound great to me, by the way. No, whatsoever or at all. Um, and
0: at best, it's number two.
2: Oh, <laughs> I don't like toilet humor.
0: I'll keep making them. Except
2: for I can't stop laughing at everything Crapper. I just said. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea until this. Um, and I honestly debated using that because I was like, he knows this. I knew you knew that name. Yeah. I didn't know if you would. Yeah. yeah. you're yeah. Good. You done good. Uh,
0: you got me. I got got.
2: I did. I did. With toilets. So that is some toilet history for you today. Yeah. Because mine isn't working well.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, thank you for that.
2: You're welcome.
3: Yeah. I think that wraps part one then. Yeah. I think it's flush. (laughs) Part one is flushed, honey. (laughs)
2: I don't know. Wrapped like
4: a
0: brand new toilet off the semi-truck.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: But if you <laughs> want to find us on our social media at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, at our email address of Strange at gmail.com.
2: Mm-hmm. Our inbox is waiting.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: And if you want to help support the show, you could tell a friend. Uh, you could give us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or I think PodChaser. I don't if it if it does a review yeah give a review yeah we'll find it yeah and we'll read it yeah it would be lovely yeah uh we've got also threadless patreon as well and yeah but I think until next time
4: stay stay strange
2: and join us next week for part two yeah
0: we got great stuff coming up
2: This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Stacks and Violence. Detroit
1: Strange.
2: Oh my gosh. Just a quick side note. Yeah, yeah. Do you see Netflix has a new documentary called, I think, Something About Prey? But it's basically about the like pray the gay
0: or P-R-A-Y.
2: A-Y. Okay. It's about the pray the gay away movement. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I think I've watched that actually.
2: Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. It was really interesting because they had a bunch of people like who were quote unquote converted during the movement and like speakers for the movement who now are like we were dumb and we were like essentially brainwashed into like this. She found a bug. She also sat here for a good 10 minutes before I pat her, but she just sat with her back to me. It was very cute. I was just like, okay. Which is why I was leaning over.
0: Should I be concerned that she's gonna get this bug? I'm i mostly just like, I hope she gets it. Yeah. I don't wanna know if I necessarily want her to eat it, but
2: Oh, she'll probably eat it, but that's not it's that's protein. Normal. Okay. Yeah.
4: Good for you, key cat.
2: Yeah, she's almost like, oh, it's a big
4: one. Yeah. I'm happy you're getting it. Good key
2: cat. Yeah. I mean if we were a place where there was like poisonous ones or yeah. something. You know what I mean? But She's having a great time. Anyway.
4: Um but yeah, that that it was really good. It just reminded me of that. Yeah. Um so. Ew, it's right there. Get it, girl. Get it. It's dead? No. Get it, girl. I think it's dying. Good. I don't know what it is, which is really freaking me out.
2: I think it has more legs than a no. It's a spider. It's a spider. I don't no. know. I can't tell because there's shadows, and I can't tell if their legs are shadows of legs.
4: Should I shine a light on it?
2: Not towards me.
4: And oh, yep. a spider. yeah. Yeah.
2: See, I think it's dying, because I think it would be... No! No, wrong way! Wrong way! Wrong way! Should I just wrong get a shoe? Way. Should I get a shoe? Yeah, now you should, because it's coming. Look, look. I'm, like, not against spiders. I just don't want them.
4: This one's probably pissed now.
2: I don't want them on me. He's, no. like, on the black part of the
4: carpet. Oh, no, he's right here on the gray. God, he is. <laughs> this episode's going great. Yeah.
2: Like, I appreciate what they do and please eat all the bugs.
4: Yeah, this one's just a real... little... He's a
2: little too... Ooh! I hope I got it, I hope I got it. I think... I mean, we're not
4: going to own it up. we
1: just not pick it up.
2: I can work just... around it. Ooh! What's in that box?
3: <laughs> Lock picking stuff. Ah! Okay, maybe it's on the bottom. Maybe it's on the bottom. What's up, you tell me.
2: Okay. Oh yeah, he's smushed down there. Okay, he is attached.
1: Don't
4: put it on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> and we're
2: back. <laughs> we're back, um Okay, i Do we need us? I,
0: I don't know. Minerva I, was getting a know. spider, and then the spider came towards us. We we had a moment. Yeah,
2: and I'm fine with them being like in the room. Yeah. But it was coming for
3: like it was coming for you. It was by my feet. Yeah.
2: I was not a fan. Yeah. Could I I, I would have been distracted.
3: Yeah.